I'm continuing this morning. In fact, if, if uh, my text and the beginning of the message sounds very familiar, it's because I'm actually preaching the message that I gave the introduction to a couple of weeks ago when we had Brother uh, Michael Conway here from Columbia, South America, and also had Brother Roger to come and share about the local missions with Bridge. Uh, on that Sunday, I gave you the text for this message, the title for this message, and a little bit of the introduction to this message. This morning, I want to give you the message. It's entitled, Discipleship, the Importance of Giving, where giving fits into the whole discipleship thing. Before I get into the heart of the message, let me, um, let me just tell you a little story because I want to illustrate a point here. It's very important that you get the right information in life. You understand that? I, I think most of you do. Uh, one of my favorite master stories is about Sam Sneed. Now, that's before a lot of your time, but real golf fans know who Sam Sneed is. Uh, when I first came here in 1975, Sam Sneed was still playing the Masters every year. And uh, in fact, the most fantastic putt shot I've ever seen at the Augusta National was done by Sam Sneed. He was a, a, a genius of a golfer and just a great guy. But the story is told that um, Sam Sneed, one, one year at the Masters, you know, they, they pair the rookies with some of the old pros on the first day of uh, the Masters and, and those that get, get to play that actually, <laughs> for whatever reason, get there. Uh, their first time, the rookies. And they'd paired this rookie up with Sam Sneed. And when they got to the tee where you tee off on that, um, on that fairway where the, the big tree, I think, what do they call it, Eisenhower tree? Anyway, that tree's in the way down there. You have, to, you have to actually go down and lay up and make a turn back to your left to get to the green. Well, um, as the young guy got ready to, um, to tee up the ball and, and make his tee shot, Sam Sneed said to him, Son, when I was your age, strong young men like you, I'd just rear back and hit that ball with all my might. I'd hit it right over the top of that tree, right on over to the green. And so this kid took the bait. Boy, he reared back. He gave it everything he had. He hit that ball with all of his might. And sure enough, it hit that tree and bounced back this way about 30 yards. <laughs> As they're walking down the fairway, Sam Sneed is reported to have muttered, of course, son, when I was your age, that tree wasn't all that tall. Uh, <laughs> it, it pays to have the right information, right? Uh, you can get in trouble in life if, if you don't have all the information or if you have inaccurate information. And I want to give you some very important information regarding giving from the scriptures. And I'll give you a proverb to help you with that. It's in Proverbs 11, verse 24. Here's what the wise man said. There is one who scatters yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. I want you to get that proverb if you miss everything else I say because this is so important. The wise man is, is actually looking at the, 
at the laws by which God governs this earth. And he said, there, there are people that learn to scatter. In other words, they take their blessings and, and they, they are generous with the blessings of God. And they scatter those blessings out there. And in the end, they wind up with more than they had before they scattered. And then there are others that, that just hold on to what they have. Boy, they just, they're so afraid that they're going to lose it, that they just hold on with a death-defying grip. And he said, no matter how much they hold on to, in the end, it leads to poverty. Now, think of a farmer, for example. Maybe a farmer has been blessed, and he has a, he has a huge barrel of seed, and he thinks, oh, my goodness, there's no telling how valuable that barrel of seed is. And so he makes sure that, 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 that it's sealed and that the, the top of the lid is on tight, and, and he makes sure that the temperature in the barn and where it's kept is, is, is such that it won't cause the seed to spoil, and he checks it and makes sure that no insects get inside or no, no rats get in there, and, and he hangs on to it and holds on to it and holds on to it, and, and the fact is he'll never have any more than he just greedily holds on to. Whereas another farmer with the same barrel of kind of barrel-sized seed will pop that lid and will go out in his farm and he'll scatter that seed and scatter that seed and scatter that seed. And guess what? In the end, that farmer who has scattered all that seed will not only have his barrel full again, but will have much more. That's what this proverb is saying. He's saying that's really the law by which God governs the whole earth. You know, when God created the heavens and earth, read it in Genesis chapter 1. When he created it, he only had to create it one time. God didn't have to come back the next season or the next year or even the next decade or the next hundred or thousands of years and create new trees or create new grass or create new vegetation because when God spoke that original creation, he put within his creation the ability to reproduce. And so there's more. And the tree may die, but there'll be another tree and another tree and another tree. And here we are thousands of years later, still seeing what God created, multiplying upon the earth. These are, these are laws. I want to share with you this morning three of the laws of God regarding your money. And I'm not preaching this to you this morning trying to get your money. I'm preaching this to you trying to help you to receive more from what you have. God wants you to be blessed. Can somebody say amen? amen. The first law I want to look at is called the law of reciprocity. The law of reciprocity. And let me give you scripture for it. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, this is what Jesus said. These are red letters in your Bible. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, I know that, um, and I emphasize this a lot, don't ever take a text out of context and because you, you run the risk of making a pretext. This, this scripture has often been taken out of its context, so let me make sure that you understand the context 
and then we can see the application. If you read the verse before, verse 37, here's what it's talking about. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you'll not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He's actually talking about forgiveness. He's talking about our attitude. He's talking about our spirit. And what he's saying here in its context, this is, this is the root meaning of that particular scripture. What he's saying is if you'll have a forgiving heart, then you will be blessed with forgiveness. The more you forgive, the more you can be forgiven. But, but it, there is an application of scripture as well. That I, I want you to understand it in context. It's talking about not being judgmental. It's talking about not condescending and con- condemning everybody. You, you ever meet people with a condemning spirit and judgmental spirit? They just judge everybody and condemn them and talk about them. It, it, don't raise your hand uh, because your, your neighbor may think you're talking about them. But, but you know somebody like that. You probably got somebody in your family like that. And, and here's what we have a tendency to do. <laughs> Shake your head, yes, if, 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 if you, do, you have a tendency to do this as well. Somebody who's always judging and always condemning and, and uh, always uh, uh, just uh, condescending towards folks and yakking about them and gossiping and so forth, you have a tendency to stop and say, why don't you take a look in the mirror? Amen. And what happens, you start judging them, right? Because you're judging them because how can you be so judgmental? Look at your own mess. Look at your own life. Look at your own attitude. Look at your own. So what, what Jesus is saying, what you throw out there is what comes back to you. So the, so the best thing you can do is try to keep a forgiving spirit. Now, this, this not only application-wise, now this, here's a principle. There is a principle that applies in other areas as well. Give and it shall be given. Not only forgiveness, it works that way with everything. And it works that way with your finances as well. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Glory to God. How many like that kind of blessing? Well, and, and again, he's, this is an agrarian society that he's talking about. So these people understood farming uh, terminology here. And what he's saying is if you go to buy some seed at the store, they'll fill your bag. Then they'll shake it a little bit and let it settle. And they'll put some more in there and they'll shake it a little more, maybe even press it down a little bit and, and, and pour in some more in it and pour it till it overflows. And, and, and Jesus said, that's the way this principle works in the kingdom of God. This is what God wants to do for you. If you will be generous in the work of the Lord, if you will give in the, to the kingdom of God, if you will give in the work of the Lord, then when God gets ready to bless you, he'll bless you abundantly. Remember John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it How? more abundantly. He talk, He likes abundant life. He likes to just overflow his blessings on you. And so it's the law of reciprocity. In fact, he even says, I'll use the measure that you use. So if you, if you want to use a teaspoon, don't get upset when you get teaspoon blessings. If you want better blessings, why don't you use a shovel? Give out some shovelfuls. Amen. Some people learn to give dump truck loads full of blessings. They just, they just bless everybody, you know, and, and God just blesses them back. 
I remember when I was a youngster, I read the, the, the story of R.L. Letourneau, who very well may have been used of God to save us in World War II because of the the inventions that he did that uh, one, one of the th- problems we were having in desert areas and, uh, was that our tanks were um, running into trouble and they'd just bog down and clog up and they wouldn't run. And, and God gave our Letourneau, he ran a big manufacturing plant for big heavy equipment. The government said, can you help us? And he prayed and God gave him a, 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 an answer. And so he was able to build our tanks that would run right through the desert and the sand wouldn't bother them. And R.L. Letourneau was a man of God and he started out as a young man and he said, I'm going to be a tither. And he started tithing on it. Back when he was making hardly anything, he would tithe. I mean, he was consistent with his tithing. He would always tithe. And he got to thinking one day, you know, God's been pretty good to me. I think I can give more than 10%. And so he upped his giving to 15%. And then he upped his giving to 20%. And then he started giving 50%. Long story short, when R.L. Letourneau died as a multimillionaire, he was giving 90% of everything to God and to the work of the Lord and living on 10%. And he couldn't spend the 10 he had so much. God, that's what God said. With the measure that you meet, it'll be measured back to you. He learned to measure abundantly, and God learned just poured it back on him abundantly. It's the law of reciprocity. Let me give you another scripture, Luke chapter 6, verse 37. I'm sorry. Um, we, we, ju- we just read that. Let me get to the next law, and I'll give you some more scripture. The next law is the law of priority. What do you priorit- prioritize? What's first in your life? Let me read you a lengthy portion from Luke chapter 12, beginning of verse 22. Jesus said, then he said to his disciples, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Life is more than food. The body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Make sure your neighbor gets that turn and say, you're more valuable than a bird. (laughs) And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubic to his statue? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more, say that, how much more, how much more, <laughs> I love that, how much more. God's going to take care of you. He's going to clothe you. And you're, you're just demonstrating little faith when you worry about it. And so he goes on, verse 29. Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have any anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
So sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourself money bags which do not grow old. A treasure in heaven that does not fail. Where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Wow. It's the law of priority. Jesus said it's very important how you prioritize your giving in life. He, he says, first of all, and he talks about basic necessities here like food, clothing, and shelter. He said, don't worry about this stuff. You know, <laughs> if, if, if I could get everybody in here this morning that's worried about anything to get totally free and delivered, we'd have a revival. I mean, if, if it just happened suddenly all over the congregation, you just got completely set free and you weren't worried about a thing, you'd be rejoicing all over this house. Jesus said, you're worried about stuff that you really can't control anyway. So don't worry about that. In fact, get your life in order and prioritize by putting God's kingdom first, kingdom principle. Remember the law of reciprocity. Put God's kingdom first. Law of priority here. First, the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. All these other things will be added to you. All of these other things will be added to you. In other words, God can take care of you. God can take care of you. How many of you can testify to that? That God has taken care of you. Amen. Give him, a, give him praise for that. God can take care of you. So he challenges us then. He says, so why don't you put your treasure in a place where the market going up or down won't affect it, where there's nothing that can erode or corrupt it, and where there's no thieves that can break in and steal it. Where's that? That's your investment in the kingdom of God. When you invest in the kingdom of God, your investment is absolutely safe. Praise the Lord. And in fact, if you, if you put your treasure in, in the kingdom of God where the thief can't steal, the moth can't corrupt, and, 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 and nothing can destroy it, if you'll do that, your heart will follow that. And we tend to think of that in reverse and we tend to act that sometimes in reverse i have people every once in a while say to me oh preacher i know y'all are a mission-minded church but i'm i'm just not into missions well i want to tell you how i can get you interested in missions i promise you this will work would anybody like to know how to really get interested in missions i mean really get interested in missions. would you would you like to know how to do that how to really well let me tell you we, we, and we can do it right here get out your checkbook Write me a check for $10,000 for missions, and I promise you, you will be interested in missions. <laughs> yes, you will. I, I know. I, I, I've watched people in the church do it. I, I've watched people get so interested. In, in fact, there's, there's a little lady that has gone here for years, and she's her health has gone down now and, and her advanced age and she hadn't been able to come to church now in a long long time but she would come to me even after she got 
to the point where her health was failing and in and out of the hospital a lot. And she would come to me, uh, and, and usually it would take her at least a year, but she would, he, she would put back enough in a year's time. She'd come to me and say, here, pastor, go plant another church on the mission field. Go plant another church on the mission field. Did you know this woman, and she lives on fixed income. I mean, she's social security. She has, she has planted five churches on the mission field in the last few years. And I mean, when, when she can't even come to church, she sent me the, another one said, here's, here's number five. She's so excited. You know what she's interested in? She's interested in those missions, boy. She likes those mission reports. And I can tell you why. She's put her treasure there. Her heart has followed. And I'll tell you something else. She's going to get a great reward when she gets to the other side and, and sees the numbers of people. There's no telling how many people have come to Jesus because of that little widow who lives on Social Security who has planted five churches through this church on the mission field. Oh, yeah. It, it'll, it'll cause you to love it. it. It'll give you something to love, something to get excited about. Let me give you the last and final law that I want to talk about this morning, and that's the law of rewards. Now, it's similar to the law of reciprocity, only different. <laughs> the, the law of reciprocity is as you give and how you give, that's the way it returns back to you. But the law of rewards, there's another law where God says, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to even do more than that. I'm just going to haul off and reward you. Now, th- this goes beyond the law of reciprocity. The law of reciprocity, uh, Brother Bernard, if I give you a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, the law of reciprocity means when I'm thirsty, I'll get a cup of water because I'm giving and receiving as I give. The law of rewards, look at this. Look at Mark chapter 10, verse 28 to 30. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we've left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one. Say no one. Say it again. There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Here's the law of rewards. God said, I've got such a good tracking system that I keep up with everything you do. You know, there's a book that's got your name on it that's in heaven. You know that, don't you? And there's a recording angel that keeps up with what you do. And there is a judgment coming for us, not a judgment of whether we're going to heaven or hell, but a judgment for us of rewards to see what we're going to get. And he said, (laughs) glory to God. Brother Bernard, this this is what I love about this. It's so much better than just reciprocity. If I give you a cup of cold water and get a cup of cold water back. He said, no, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, I'm going to reward you for that. In addition to the blessing that naturally comes with the law of reciprocity, I'm just going to reward you. I'm just going to haul off and reward you hundredfold. Glory to God. 
I challenge you to call your investment advisor or your banker or whoever you may talk to about investments and find out if there's anywhere on planet earth where you can invest and get a hundredfold reward for your investment. I challenge you to try it. The kingdom of God's got the best investment program that there possibly is. Not only are you going to get the law of reciprocity working for you, God is going to reward you for everything you do in his name. Glory to God. Woo! You, rewards. We're going to get rewards. Rewards. He's going to say, I, I, I'm just uh, happy for what you did for me. Let me give you this reward. You, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like it's better than just winning the games. It's kind of like getting a trophy at the end, the most valuable player or whatever, you know, or a $10,000 bonus or, or like some of these, you know, these pro professional stars. Now they get million dollar rewards. And I want to tell you, God will beat anything that the world has when we get before him so it's going we're going to be amazed at what God gives us at the judgment of rewards we're going to be absolutely astounded glory to God and you notice that he said he said this is for this is for everyone everyone there's not a one of you exempt not a one of you all of you I'll read it to you, Mark 9, 41. For whoever gives you a cup of cold water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, assuredly, I say to you, he will by no means, no means lose his reward. Wow. Makes you want to give, doesn't it? I want to I challenge you. I'm not going to receive the mission commitments today i had planned on it but because we need to move on with the service today and i don't want to hold you long because of that so i'll I'll delay that to next week but i want you to pray about it between now and next week how much the lord would have you to do in the coming year for our missions outreach you know we're very invested all over this world we got a young man from this church in beirut lebanon doing a great work in the middle east and God's just exploding that work. And, and there's no telling how many thousands, maybe tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people will be in the kingdom as a result of what God is doing there. We've got a young man invested from this congregation in Columbia, South America, doing a great work for God. The work is just going and going. We have our own brother George right here and his family who have made trip after trip after trip to India and started a work in Upper Pradesh where they did not have a Pentecostal spirit-filled voice. And the state out of which most of the political leaders come, and Brother George shared with me for years, he said, I believe if we can impact that state, we maybe can impact the entire nation and they've been able to plant church after church after church. And now we've got dozens of churches and multitudes of churches. And if you count the house churches that are going now, it's into the hundreds of churches that are there in an area where heretofore there wasn't even one spirit-filled powerful voice and now God is just multiplying it and multiplying it and multiplying it to the glory of God and we're invested in in Africa and and really all over the world did you know did you know the first church that that our bridge family started they asked 
asked me, they said specifically, would you help us plant a church where the people have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? Never heard it. And so through Brother Don Matheny and our work in Africa, we were able to get into an area in the Sudan where there was a tribe of people. They didn't even wear clothes. I mean, you're talking about primitive tribe. And all they did was fight other tribes. They were a warring tribe. That's they, they, all they did was hunted for survival and fought to take away what everybody else had. And they trained their kids from the time they were able to walk to be warriors. They taught them to kill. And you can imagine that the <laughs> that life expectancy wasn't very high there because they were always fighting and killing. We literally had to use machetes to bushwhack our way into that village where they could get a truck into there. And, and our, the people that we supported on the grounds were able to reach that tribe for Jesus. And now many years later, we've got a strong church there. We've got a strong school there. They, they, they wear clothes just like you and me. And, and, and now they're carrying the gospel to those tribes that they used to fight and they're winning them to Jesus and making peace with them and telling them about the, our Creator and our Lord. Next Sunday, Lord willing, I'm, I'm going to play you some music from one of their services. That they did just, it's just multiplying and exploding for the glory of God. And, and it's because people are willing and people realize that, that it's so important that we learn to give these folks your giving in the kingdom is what's going to outlast your life here. It's also what's going to go before you into heaven. And it's going to determine your rewards that you get there when we get before God. Now, let me say this. And I'm not going to take time. I didn't even put this on my notes because there is also a law of sacrifice. There's a law that says that for great things to be accomplished, someone has to sacrifice God gave the great sacrifice. He sacrificed his son. Jesus gave the great sacrifice. He gave us his life on the cross of Calvary. And you and I are sitting here this morning because somebody somewhere in our background was willing to sacrifice so that we could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's been a price paid. I want, I want to tell you something this morning. You're not sitting here just, freedom is not free. Have you heard that? There, there's a price that you pay. And I want to tell you, we, we are the beneficiaries of people who have gone before us who sacrificed. My grandmother and my granddaddy on my daddy's side gave the, one of the first pieces of property in North Georgia when the Pentecostal message came across the mountain to and uh, helped establish a church and there's a church of god that's on that property today they're meeting this morning running four or five hundred people in in that church in the mountains towns county georgia hawassi way out from hawassi a church still there today and my 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 granddaddy and my grandmother gave the corner of their farm uh, where the road came through so that they could build a church where there was a road that would come to it and, and it's, it's still there today. I can't imagine. Now, several generations later, how many people may have come to the Lord because he was willing to sacrifice and give. Sacrifice. Stand with me so I'll stop. 
because I, I get to feeling sorry for you when you're standing a long time, and that helps me to, 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 to conclude. But while you're standing, I want the prayer team to come on and get ready and the praise team. Um, let me tell you this little story, true story. In a little village in Japan many, many, many years ago, there was an earthquake. It was a pretty bad earthquake, but it didn't destroy too much. It just, you know, the earth shook. And, but they have so many earthquakes there that the little village, the people didn't think much about it. They just kind of wrote it out. And as soon as some of the aftershocks were gone, they just kind of went back to life as usual. Didn't pay much attention to it. Little village of about four or 500 people. Right outside the city, you go up a steep, steep, uh, it's actually a mountain, but it, it plateaus up at the top. And, and there's a farmer that owned lots of acreage up there on that plateau. He had a, he had a good farm. And he'd had his best year farming that year. And he had... He had all of, his, all of his harvest in from the various things that he did. And there, was, there was a big lake thing up there where he was actually able to raise rice. And he had all of the piles of, of rice. He was just waiting for the big trucks to come in and take all of his produce to market. It was his year's income. It was his annual income. Everything that he would make for that entire year was right there in that harvest field waiting for for the trucks to come and pick it up and take it all to market and that farmer was up there on that plateau after the tremors had settled down and he got to looking way off at the water and he, he there was kind of a strange eerie feeling the wind suddenly changed direction and he actually watched the water and it, and it started going in the opposite direction that it's supposed to. And, and it, he got to watching it and he got to looking as far off as he could see way, way, way out in the ocean. He saw what looked like a black line that, that went across the horizon and it began to rise. And he realized that destruction was headed their way. And so he screamed to the villagers below, but nobody could hear him. And he said, how can I get the message to him? I, I've, only got, I've only got a few minutes. And he screamed at his grandson. He said, son, go get the torch. And his grandson ran and got the torch and brought it to him. He lit it and he began to set on fire all of the piles of his harvest, those great heaps of grain and harvest until the smoke began to billow and the blaze began to rage and the villagers below saw it and the fire bells started ringing and they didn't have fire department they just had everybody just pitched in and so the whole village was trained when there's a fire everybody went and so the whole village started running to, towards the 
the, the mountain and climbing up to those that had vehicles rode and those who were on foot ran. They were trying to get to their neighbor and save his farm that was on fire. And all of the village, when they got to the top of that mountain, the plateau and to the burning inferno, there stood that farmer with his torch. And somebody screamed out, said, the old man's gone mad. He's crazy. He set his own farm on fire. He's burning up his harvest. Let's forget it. And they turned to go back down. And the farmer screamed, said, wait a minute. Look. Look at the ocean. And they turned and looked just as that huge mound that that farmer had seen about five or ten minutes earlier was coming in to land. It was a tsunami. And it hit their shore and destroyed their village. Their homes were busting up like matchsticks. And all the buildings were destroyed. It came in. It receded and went out and came in again and receded and went out. And five times it covered their village. Destroyed their village. And finally, when it receded for the last time, everybody was quiet. Everybody was standing there in shock. And finally, the old farmer said, that's why I burned my harvest. That's why I burned my harvest. He saved his village. Between four and five hundred people were saved by his sacrifice. He stood there that day, the poorest man among them, or as poor as the poorest man among them, because he'd lost everything. So had they but they had not lost their lives. Had he not sacrificed his farm, if he had not sacrificed a year's wages, between four and 500 people would have been dead. Think about it for a moment this morning, folks. Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice? There's a, there's a price to pay. That that church that we've got in the Sudan was, was built on those homeless people at the bridge who put everything, they emptied their pockets week after week until they could build that church. Took them a year to build that first church. Their dimes and nickels and quarters, Saturday after Saturday after Saturday, sacrificing everything they had. But now we got a church. Wow. What's it worth? What's it worth when you get to heaven? I want to tell you, there's going to be some folks that are going to look you up when you get to heaven. When they find out you're from New Hope. They're going to say, I'm here because of your sacrifice. I'm here because you were willing to give. I'm here because you were willing to share. I want you to pray this morning and ask the Lord what he would have you to do in this next year. And, and, uh, <laughs> You say, preacher, you you mighty bold. You're not. A, you're you're asking us to go beyond our abundance and our blessing. Yes, I am, and and I'm just bold enough to do it because I'm getting old enough. I don't have to worry about too much anymore. You criticize me, it won't last long. I'm going to heaven before too long. Amen. 
It just, I'm, I'm not trying to get anywhere. I'm not trying to climb anybody's ladder, win anybody's favor. But I am trying to get you to be blessed. I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to get you to give until it hurts and give until it quits hurting. And then you'll find me when you get to heaven. You'll say, thank you, preacher, for getting me to give. Amen. I want, you to, I want you to think about sacrificial giving. You see, when you mature in the Lord, you reach a point where you're willing to stretch your faith and say, God, in, inspire me. Help me here. Tell me what, you, what you'd like for me to give. And, and you'll start reaching out by faith. You'll say, I, I can give more than I did last year. I can, I can give. I can give. We had one guy here last year. He said, I, I just believe that God will bless my business and I'm going to make a commitment to God that I'm going to plant a church every month. And he's been able to plant a church every month in the rainforest in Africa to unreached people groups. We've got 12 churches from New Hope in the rainforest where they never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ because one man said, God, I just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you. I'm just going to believe you to bless my business. And he told me the other day, he said, God has blessed my business this year. I haven't missed it. Every month, God has somehow come through, and I've had that extra month money to plant that church. Glory to God. Amen. I, I still believe that where God's finger guides, his hand provides. I'm not asking you to do something stupid. I'm not asking you to get radical beyond your faith or beyond God, but I am asking you to open your heart to the Lord and let the Holy Spirit challenge you because if God challenges you and you respond in faith, then God will take care of you. Amen? God will provide. I believe that with all my heart. The altar's open and we're going to pray. Give God praise, if you will. I want you to come and pray. If you're sick in body, come and let's, let us pray with you and for you and believe God for your healing. If you need to get saved, come give your heart to Jesus. If you need anything, if you're, if you're wrestling with any problems or you've got financial problems, whatever you're dealing with, come, come and pray this morning. Let some folks agree with you in prayer. There's strength and agreement and prayer and uh, agreement. And I believe that some of you will come this morning and with an open heart and say, Lord, I'm willing I'll be a willing vessel if you'll just inspire me what you want me to give this year. And God will never challenge you beyond what God will provide for you. Amen? So if, would you do that? Would you just ask God to lead you this year, direct you in your giving? Because giving is a part of our discipleship. God bless you as you pray.